to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Hello and welcome to Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. I'm Katrina Rowe, a Sydney-based broadcaster, author and storyteller. Together with Dr Paul Rowe, the APAC historian, we are retelling the stories of some of Australia's heroes, pioneers and visionaries. Some are famous, some forgotten, but they have one thing in common. Their faith inspired their greatest achievements. As you hear their stories, we hope you'll be inspired to join in the work of making the invisible visible. Today's story starts right in the heart of the Sydney CBD. David Jones founded his iconic department store in 1838. A man of faith, he was part of a network of Christian business people who intentionally used their wealth and influence to build a better society and help those less fortunate than themselves. In those days, it was barely coming out of being a convict colony. It was still, they still had convicts and it was a pretty rough and tumble economy. You know, it wasn't an easy environment for a businessman to come and do what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to bring the best products and we're going to bring the best integrity in business and establish it here. And he managed it. Somehow um, he brought uh, a new way of doing business and established himself eventually and became very successful. Considered a man of integrity, honesty and kindness, he used his skills in business for the greater good. Dr. Paul Rowe joins me. He's a storyteller from the back of Burke who wants to help us understand our shared heritage. When I think of David Jones, the department store, I think of beautiful stores, expensive fragrances and the gorgeous Christmas displays. But there's another story to David Jones, one that you won't even find on the department store's website. It's the story of a man of devout faith who used business to fund charity and was concerned with social welfare. Today, we meet the man whose vision went well beyond a department store brand. G'day, Paul. Hey, Katrina, it's quite a story, isn't it? So you've actually got a bit of a personal connection to this story, Paul? <laughs> oh, pretty remote. When I, when I was a teenager, I worked in David Jones in Parramatta. I was selling suits and shirts and jeans when they first came out. And uh, the women used to come into the menswear to get jeans and then uh, camping gear. And they had these supervisors who wore a white carnation and had a green pen and they kind of sort of gave it a touch of class, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got to be pretty classy to get a job at David Jones, don't you? So that's well, kind that's of, what I thought. yeah, <laughs> ups your social <laughs> status. <laughs> Can you tell us about David's early years? Well, yeah, he was uh, he's a Welshman and uh, he left the farm, wasn't interested in farming, went to work with a business community, which happened to be congregational, an independent Christian group. And interestingly, that group were very, very committed to business in, in itself. And they used to, they merged business with their enterprise in mission. So they saw they could use their business skills and making profits and money to fund missions. So as a young bloke, that's what he was trained in. But he didn't have an easy start to his adult life, did he? Things um, were pretty rough in the early years. That's right. He married a uh, girl who was a pastor's daughter. 
but uh, she died in childbirth about a year later and it really unhinged him. I think he, he was sort of a sensitive man and uh, he went to London. He struggled because he didn't speak English, he only spoke Welsh and uh, he had a battle to get going. But he did actually gradually work his way up through managerial positions until he met uh, men who were involved in Australia and the colony of Australia in the early 1800s and they invited him to come to Australia as one of their businessmen. And so once he got here, he did start to become successful and made money in business. How did his faith inform his approach to business? Well, Katrina, it was a, in those days it was barely coming out of being a convict colony. It was still, they still had convicts and uh, and it was a pretty rough and tumble economy. You know? <laughs> and it started off with a rum economy, as you might remember. The governors were struggling to sort of bring some sort of control to things and there was a lot of hard-nosed and driving business people and the labour force was fairly irreligious so it wasn't an easy environment for a businessman to come and do what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to bring the best products and we're going to bring the best integrity in business and establish it here in, on the frontier basically and it was, it was a tough assignment for a young bloke but um, he managed it. Somehow um, he brought uh, a new way of doing business and established himself eventually and became very successful. So why do you think he was successful? Well, I think part of it uh, was he wasn't alone. He found himself in the Congregational Church in Pitt Street in Sydney, and that church became quite a remarkable place because it, it was part of the engine room that drove business in Sydney. There were a number of these Congregationalists who were very skilled businessmen. Somebody called them an oligarchy. They kind of worked to get together. They teamed up and encouraged one another, and they began to spread their influence into all sorts of areas. Uh, beyond just in the shops where David Jones was, but they began to set up uh, the AMP, for example, to help people get in life insurances, building, shipping. And as well as that, they had a whole lot of Christian enterprises, which they were involved with helping the poor, sort of building colleges to educate. Temperance was a big part of their thing to sort of try to get control of the, the impact of alcohol. So they were a very energetic, entrepreneurial, outward-looking, missional group of men and women. And... Uh, I was there in that church uh, earlier in the year. We went there on a walking tour and sure enough, all around the wall, there's plaques to all these well-known names like John Fairfax, for example, that bought the Sydney Morning Herald and turned it into uh, sort of a benchmark for journalism in Australia. So they were a pretty influential group then? Very influential. Um, I think they helped set up the Sydney Municipal Council. I think Jones ended up on the uh, in the Legislative Council but they really wanted to influence the colony in the best way they knew to bring integrity, to bring a softer edge, a kinder edge to business, uh, a philanthropic edge to business. So they gave a lot of money away to causes or to help build the city. So they probably come at a very strategic time when the colony could have gone just in a very hard-nosed direction, but they brought a, a softer, if you like, or a more kindly approach to business and linked it directly to Christian mission. Mm. So he was very devout in his own personal spiritual practice as well, wasn't he? He was. Every Sunday afternoon he'd sing hymns from his Welsh hymn book. He loved Welsh. He said it was the best language in the world. He had a great devotion to the Bible, so he would shut himself away for a couple of hours on a Saturday night from the family, go and read his Bible and pray and come out and have supper and devotions with them. So his private life was very, very much shaped by the Bible and he, he felt as he prayed and thought about his business, that he received direct guidance on the way he should go. I don't think he was trying to force religion onto the business community, but he was very definitely 
known as a man of integrity, of honesty, uh, of kindliness, uh, and a very noble sort of figure in the city. So he had a powerful influence. Probably he wasn't an outspoken preacher or anything like that, but he was an activist. He did stuff. He, he used his skills to try and build the kingdom of God, as he said. So how do you think we should be remembering David Jones then? <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said at the start, I mean, we walk in there and uh, the stores are sort of given to opulence, a little bit of an elegance and... Uh, stuff I can't um, afford. <laughs> stuff I can't afford. I could only sell it. I couldn't actually buy it. But um, I think behind that was more a commitment to what's really good, what's really wholesome, what's really going to give people the very best, not just in quality of goods, but quality of life. And for him, that was definitely anchored in the Bible and in following Jesus and sort of bringing Jesus into the centre of things. So when you go to a David Jones store, don't just get taken away with the, the opulence and the elegance and the art gallery and all that sort of thing, but remind yourself, well, he was a young guy who started with nothing. He worked his way up. He wasn't particularly well-educated but he was trained by a group of men with a commitment to using their business skills and their entrepreneurial outlook, not just for profit and selfish means, although they did become wealthy men, but they used their resources to bless and encourage others. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing his story. Great story, isn't it? So here's the DJ. So maybe if I'd stayed long enough, I would have got a white carnation and a green pen. (laughs) It's okay. You'll be all right without them. That is the Outback historian, (laughs) Dr. Paul Rowe, a one-time David Jones uh, employee. We've been talking about a generous and successful businessman, David Jones, who founded the David Jones Department Store. And you can find Paul Rowe online at theoutbackhistorian.com.au. Thanks for listening to Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. In episode 15, we'll meet one of Australia's most successful inventors. Professor Graham Clark is the creator of the cochlear implant. Although he faced ridicule and was told his invention would never work, deaf and hearing impaired people all around the world have benefited from his determination and drive. To make that quantum leap from the outside of the ear into the brain, and that was his, his real challenge. I mean, that was like going to the moon, really. Nobody had ever thought it was possible to, to make that kind of leap, if you like, to evade the normal hearing process and go directly to the brain. That's coming up in episode 15 of Australia's Invisible History. I hope you'll join us. If you've enjoyed this episode of Australia's Invisible Histories, please do subscribe and share among your friends so we can keep telling the stories. Plus, you can find more details and useful links in the show notes. Hope 1032. Thanks for listening.